everybody. Welcome to the Hidden Gems podcast. This is the series that we do on Rachel's Reviews every week where we like to give you some suggestions on the streaming platforms that you uh, that you love. We'll pick one and we talk about five different hidden gems that might not be the most uh, obvious picks that you can watch on that streaming platform. And today we are going back to HBO Max. This is the newest platform that just started last week and so and we're all just kind of getting accustomed to it getting used to it and uh but we each have five choices and i'm joined by my friend ryan is here hey rachel so good to so good to hear your voice once again and it's so good to be uh to be here with you i i feel like i already said that and i just <laughs> realized i did but uh, i'm just just so happy to be here. This is like my favorite time of the week being here with you and just, yeah, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's rock and roll. Yes, I know. I really look forward to it every week. And last week we got to be joined by my friend Eli to talk about uh, some different films uh, with diverse casts and featuring people of color. And that was really fun and that was something different. And so uh, I hope people enjoyed that. But today we are just talking about HBO Max and uh, let's dive in. So my first choice for HBO Max is the movie Babe. And a lot of people might not remember that this movie, which came out in 1995, that it was nominated for Best Picture when they only had five choices. <laughs> and uh, I think with, with Just Cause, it's such a charming, lovely little movie that uh, has, has something to say about trying to understand something that's different than yourself. Uh, trying to listen instead of just you know, barking orders and doing things the way things are for no reason, except for that's the way things are. And, you know, and then you have this, this pig who comes in and does, does things differently and the sheep have to learn to listen to the, to the pig. And I just love it. I love James Cromwell in it. I think it's such a sweet, lovely performance. And I love, uh, if I had words to make a day for you, I'd make you a morning golden and true. I love that song so much. Somebody and, call American Idol Scott. <laughs> yeah, right. I love that song and I just I love I love the movie. I think it's such a sweet I love the duck, he's hilarious. And uh so it's it's one of my favorite family films that I've ever seen. Uh, have you seen Babe? I've always heard about it, but ah! I, I never, I've always heard about it, but I never saw it. I, I always assumed that that movie was directed by George Miller, like Mad Max Fury Road, George Miller. But ah. then I, I did some research and I was like, no, it was the sequel that the he sequel. directed. And the sequel is bonkers. It's crazy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It's George Miller. Did you expect anything less? That's right. And so you kind of have to know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, it was very divisive when it came out, the sequel, but some critics really liked it. Like uh, Gene Siskel named his number one movie of the whole year that year. Wow, and... that's, that's big praise coming from Siskel. Yeah, I think it was 98 or 99, something like that the sequel and uh, so it's uh 
you know, it's interesting, but I love the original Babe so much. And I highly yeah. recommend that you watch it, especially if you're feeling down and you want to watch something that'll bring a smile to your face. And I think uh, then you should definitely watch it. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big fan of James Cromwell as well. Uh, I, I loved him as the crotchety uh, flight director in Space Cowboys with Clint Eastwood and mm -hmm. all his friends, and I. I liked him as the uh, as the dead scientist who invented the robots in iRobot with Will Smith. Uh, He's he, even uh, in a, oh, which is the uh, next generation movie that he's in. Uh, I think it's it Insurrection. I'm just, I can't remember, but he's 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 in one of the Star Trek movies, and he's actually pretty good in it. Let me take a look. I'm. Let me look it up really quick. He was also in the Green Mile. Also, he was the warden. Oh yeah, yeah. He Ran was in. He was in First Contact as Zephram Zephram uh, yeah. Cochrane. He yeah. was the guy that that broke warp for the first time. That's right. Yeah, he's he's good in that, and uh, that's like the the good one of the good star the good next generation movies so. yeah the only good one and it turned out to be <laughs> like in the top five of like considering originals and next generation yeah. that turned out to be one of the best ones right exactly so it's so you should definitely check out babe on hbo max but anyway what's your first pick so my first pick is from 2013 and it is called the judge uh, this stars Robert Downey Jr. when he was really in the thick of his uh, of his run in the MCU. It also stars Robert Duvall and Vincent D'Onofrio, among others. And it tells the story of a hotshot lawyer played by Downey who goes back to his hometown and to defend his father because his father, played by Duvall, is a highly respected uh, judge but he gets caught up in an accident when he is assumed to be the driver who, who perpetrated a hit and run on a, and killed somebody. So, uh, so his, so his son is like, all right, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to step up and take the defense. And what makes the movie so interesting is that uh, Downey and Duvall's relationship is strained at best. And, and that's about as nice as I can say about it. Uh, there's a lot of history there. And, as, and Duvall takes the stance of, I am of the law. The law is the only thing that we can count on in this world. If I'm going to jail, then I'm going to jail. And Downey's like, God, Dad, at least let me defend you. And so it's and so it's a nice back and forth. The highlight of the movie is the chemistry between Downey and Duvall because Robert Duvall, we all know who he is. He's been in too many movies to even mention. And uh, after Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. just got a credibility boost despite the fact that he was in movies like Chaplin and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and Zodiac. Uh, everyone's like, oh, he's just going to be the Iron Man guy forever. Well, the judge proved that he can be a great actor if he wants to. Uh, I, there's also Billy Bob Thornton, who's in there as the prosecution, who has a collapsible uh, collapsible water flask, which is pretty unique. And uh, and the movie is just, is just really good. I love courtroom dramas, and this has a lot of courtroom drama in there. So... If you're into courtroom stuff, then this is this is this is the good stuff. Uh, yeah, I I have seen this, and I remember thinking 
it, the talent uh, was elevated at you know the the uh, that they were really good and and uh, you can't you can't deny that uh, Downey Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall and I mean some of the best actors that we have and uh, so it's definitely one I I should revisit because it's been a while since I saw it uh, so I I think we maybe forget because we're just so used to him as Iron Man that he is a a really talented actor outside of the uh the mcu as well yeah and and doolittle has done absolutely nothing yeah him, but but i digress that luckily doesn't deserve any mention i guess luckily 2020 has been such a train wreck that we've all forgotten the trauma yeah, of doolittle i'm kind know. of nostalgic for the days when i thought <laughs> oh doolittle's gonna be the worst thing that happens this year that's right <laughs> Uh, so my next suggestion is a documentary. It's called Mommy Dead and Dearest. And this documentary can send you down the spiral that is the the Gypsy and Dee Dee Blanchard case. If you think true, true crime is interesting, if you like it, then you'll, I, at least for me, I just was so fascinated by this case. And I watched pretty much anything and everything and listened to almost everything that had to do with this case because it's so bizarre. Uh, it's So this documentary, it's about Dee Dee and Gypsy uh, Blanchard. And uh, Dee Dee basically uh, manipulated her daughter into believing that she had all of these illnesses and problems and uh, she spoke like she was like a little girl even if she was 19 20 she lied to her about her age i mean just crazy but then also like gypsy because she grew up that way was also super manipulative and so so it's like really unclear of like who is kind of at fault here like how much because because gypsy ends up killing her mother and it's like is she doing it out of out of because she's trapped by this woman and who's manipulating and controlling her or was did she murder her you know like where's the line and so that's fascinating and the whole thing is just so bizarre and interesting and uh there's like a, a whole name uh for this type of manipulation it's um uh something by proxy i can't i forget the name but anyway when you convince people that they're sick and you you trick them it, it's so weird uh and if you if you go down this spiral you can watch mommy dead and dearest which is a great there's a documentary about it and then you can watch uh there's a really trashy lifetime movie about it and <laughs> and then you can watch uh the on the on hulu on a show called the act uh they had a part uh, like a 10-part series with joey king playing gypsy and patricia arquette playing Dee Dee. so good chloe savigny's in it really good and especially the beginning part uh, it, it loses some traction in the middle but it was very well done and that's on hulu and so there's just no end to the fascinations so if you're looking for something to kind of <laughs> take up your time, well, go on the uh, go on the Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose uh, <laughs> uh, Blanchard uh, 
train of thought, I guess. And I was going to say rabbit hole. Yeah, that's a good word for it. That's that's a good word for it. You know, when you know when you started talking about this, I was sitting here thinking to myself, why does this sound so familiar? But then you said, oh, it was a trashy Lifetime movie. I'm like, that's where I remember it because I saw the trailer for it because my mom watches Lifetime all the time. And I keep like, mom, why do you watch that? And I'm like, I like it. And I'm like, it's dumb. And like, think I care. So I've, I've seen the trailer for that. And I also saw the trailer for the act. And I was thinking to myself, wait a minute, like 19 year old girl who thinks she's four. I know it now. And so it's like, as you're talking about it, I'm like, oh man, it's like, it's coming back to me in, in shifts and so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I I have a whole podcast on Hallmark, so no judgment for me about watching Lifetime, uh, and uh, I it's fun. It's fun to just un- unwind on some silly, campy, ridiculous uh, programming. I think, I forget, I think Catherine Keener I, or somebody like that is in the Lifetime one, um, and uh, so they went all out. <laughs> There's a bit, this is a bit of a side road, but on Netflix, there is a documentary series called Evil Genius, uh, the true story of America's most diabolical bank heist. And if you want to talk about crazy crimes, like just, it starts off as like this guy who strapped a bomb to his vest to try and rob this bank. And it just gets crazier from there and just rabbit holes and twists and turns and it's four episodes, so you can go good. through it pretty quickly. But uh, but it's one of I'm fascinated by true crime, so it's like yeah. it's like one of those things where I was like, "Evil genius!" Like, yeah. what is this? And Ooh, I that sounds good because I, I love I millions. went through it and I went through it in like a night. I believe yeah. it's from the same people as Making a Murderer. So mm-hmm. if you're into that. I love that kind of stuff. Like I loved McMillions this last uh, thing. And it's Marsha Gay Harden who is in the uh, Oscar winner. Marsha Gay Harden is in the Lifetime one. But it's oh, just okay. a yeah, fascinating, right. insane story. And the documentary will just leave your mouth on the ground. Like, you can't believe that this happened. And, uh, in uh, the, uh, so. In the words of the famous philosopher rowdy roddy piper just when you think you know the answers i change the questions (laughs) that's right that's very true so what's your second pick so uh so my second pick we're going from uh from weird true crime documentaries to one of the more underrated comic book uh i want to say one of the more underrated comic book animated movies ever. It's Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. I thought it was right, uh, Rachel, since you nominated Mask of the Phantasm. I counter that with Batman Beyond Return of the Joker because it's just as good. I won't say better, but it is just as good. Uh, mm. Batman Beyond is the spiritual successor to the animated series. It's an, it focuses on an elder Bruce Wayne who passes the bat mantle onto a younger man named Terry McGinnis. And, uh, and we see Terry McGinnis's adventures through that. It only lasted three seasons, but it has developed a massive cult following. And everyone's like, we should get a Batman Beyond live action movie and ditto, ditto, and et cetera, et cetera. I don't know about the live action movie, but if it makes, if it's as good as Batman Beyond Return of the Joker, then I'll, I'll happily endorse it. Uh, 
the Joker returns and is, of course, voiced by Mark Hamill. So that's an automatic stamp of quality right there. Uh, Kevin Conroy, if my memory serves me right, returns as, as Bruce Wayne. So that's good, too. And uh, it, no joke, features one of the scariest scenes you will see in any animated superhero movie ever. Like, they do not hold back at all. Like, the gloves are not are taken off, and it just, you don't see it coming. It's, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, good lord. And it's like, if you can get past that, then it's, it's definitely, it's definitely impressive. But... I won't say that this is of the same quality as Mask of the Phantasm, but it, if you're a Batman fan, it's definitely something that will tickle your fancy. Yeah, I really want to see this movie. I need to, I need to get it done because uh, I've just heard nothing but raves about it. I, I got a little bit turned off of the animated Batman movies with killing joke which i just thought was so awful it was not for me and uh, so i kind of need to dive back and and uh, start to trust him again <laughs> yeah uh, don't start off with batman ninja that is some weird stuff right okay. yeah and i hated batman and harley quinn that was awful I, I wanted to love that movie so much but it just it just turned into something that i was just like you are going down a path that I can't follow, DC Animated Universe. Yeah, yeah it was really bad. And so, uh, I but I have heard good things about that one. And I've heard there was some talk, or there's been some talk of sort of a, um, uh, a Spider-Verse-inspired kind of take on Batman Beyond, which would be amazing. I would love... They have so much material they could take from. Just, mm-hmm. just go to town. Like, just... Do a do a reunion of of the Keat of like get the Keaton Michael Keaton in the studio get Val Kilmer you can even get George Clooney for like thirty seconds if you want to he's not doing all that much he's just selling tequila now just to get him in a recording booth yeah like license to print money <laughs> <laughs> that's right like it would be so cool that style of animation uh, with the aesthetics of Batman it would be really neat to to see what they could do with it. Uh, so very good choice all right well my number three uh, choice is from studio ghibli Uh, it was actually made just before studio ghibli but it's in that section of hbo max Uh, it's called nausicaa of the valley of the wind and this longest title ever (laughs) yeah and this is the second film that hayao Miyazaki made uh his first original project uh, as opposed to the Lupin movie and uh this is a dystopian film which usually i don't like those because they're just i don't know they're too cynical for my taste but this one is actually really hopeful and uh and i feel actually quite calming when i watch it uh part of that is the is the music i absolutely love the uh the music by joe uh, joe hisashi who would go on to work with hayo mezaki on most of his films and uh, they they just do such a great job of collaborating together uh and it's about this girl who is a princess of a uh, of a dystopian kind of land and there's these uh, uh the valley it's called the valley of the wind and uh, she there becomes a uh, a group that's going to be attacking their uh, their 
little enclave that they have that's been protected from uh, the uh, uh, from the savages that have have uh, how to explain it they they've been protected because they're in this valley so they haven't had the uh, the chemical pollutants and some other things and part of the reason that they've been protected is they have these giant bugs uh, and uh, they've made there's this whole jungle that has made uh, that the that is so toxic that uh, they uh, that nobody can like live there and uh, part of the reason they're protected is yeah they have these giant bugs and and uh, so these people are coming and attacking them and so they have to respond and I don't I just love it it's a very peaceful it's a very hopeful film uh, about uh, um, her doing whatever she has to do to bring peace and uh she's just a, such a, a calming peaceful lovely wonderful character she's she's not a kick butt character in the sense of a typical warrior character but she's kick butt in the sense of she uh, will do whatever it takes to protect her people and she just loves her people so much you just get a sense of such loving uh, with her and I, I definitely recommend it. I think it's really beautifully animated. And like I said, the music and it's very creative. These giant bugs and some of the other ideas. It's very, very creative. So I, I recommend it. Yeah. I, uh, I second that. This is one of the, uh, this is one of the three studio Ghibli movies I saw in theaters and mm -hmm. it was like, it, it was during Studio Ghibli Fest, and I was like, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, this is the one that I've heard the least. And mm -hmm. out of the ones I've seen in theaters, this is the one that I've gone back to the most. Because yeah. on the one hand, like you said, the movie looks absolutely gorgeous. Like, there are three places that I would want to live, and I have, and I have ranked them in terms of, uh, in terms of possibility of, of living. And that's right. Yosemite National Park, the Shire and the Valley of the Wind. I th I'm thinking the first one is a little uh, within my price range, but the other two, not so much. But hey, a guy can dream, am yeah. I right? But and anyway, anyway, uh, the you English know what I mean class, though that she's such a calming figure. Like she, she just she she wants. She just has such a love for her people. And, yeah, she, and everything that she does is is dictated by her love. Yeah, and, and she doesn't make any easy decisions either. Yes. It's like, it's either to you or through you. You know, it, it's, there's no compromise. It's like, it's, it's <laughs> like, she doesn't negotiate with the terrorists or the bugs in this case. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very, very true. People yeah. should check it out. It's really worth your time. And like I said, I don't normally like dystopian stories like not a hunger games fan or those kinds of stories i love this so and one more shout out uh one more thing before we move on uh uh the cast in the english cast in here is phenomenal too uh, patrick stewart is in this edward james yeah. Olmos, who i uh i was in 20 feet of at one time mm -hmm. uh, he's in this and he's great as well uh, Shia LaBeouf in a rare good performance. He's in this as well. So yeah, give a give a, give a moment to think about how good the uh, the English cast is they got for this. Yeah, no doubt. And so yeah, the they did such a great job with the English dubbing. 
during this period when Disney was uh, Disney and John Laster and that whole crew was managing the uh, the dubs. They did such a good job. So uh, the uh, I didn't. I actually forgot to write down whether it's in sub or dub on HBO Max. I think you can. Uh, it's it's both. It's both. Okay, good. Yeah, I I was looking earlier when you sent me your list, and uh, and there's an option on there where you can watch the Japanese or you can watch the English. Oh, good. Uh, so, what's your number three? So, my, my third choice is from 1980, and it was the best picture of 1980. It was called Ordinary People. Uh, this was written and directed by Robert Redford. We all know who he is, and Butch Cassidy, among other things. And uh, it starred Donald Sutherland in one of the best performances of his career, uh, Mary Tyler Moore and Timothy Hutton in, I believe, was his debut. Though, don't, uh, don't, don't quote me on that. I may be wrong. But uh, Ordinary People is about this, well, it, about this very affluent family who lose one of their children in a boating accident. Uh, their younger son, played by Timothy Hutton, is so grief-stricken that he tries to commit suicide and fails. So they're both, they're, the entire family is basically living in this state of, well, stasis. They really don't know where they go from here. So, uh, so the younger boy goes to therapy, and the therapist is played by Judd Hirsch, who, if I remember correctly, won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for his performance. Wow, this movie won a lot of awards now that I think about it, but... I recently watched this movie for the first time because I went through like as many movies as I could watch from the year 1980, just because. And Ordinary People was on there and it was, it was gutting. Like it was a really, really hard movie to watch, like in terms of emotions, but it was also really well made and really well acted. Uh, Donald Sutherland, who was who among other things was president snow in the hunger games movies is like is unrecognizable like he starts off as like you know i am the businessman you know i am strong but by the end he is just emotionally bankrupt like he has just lost it uh, mary tyler moore who is of course mary tyler moore uh is almost unrecognizable in this as well she's kind of cold and closed herself off from basically everything and Timothy Hutton, who would go on to have a lengthy career that still lasts to this day, like he's really good in this as well. And and he goes through a wide range of emotions. And it just, it's, it, the movie is really an acting movie. It's, you don't worry about cinematography or special effects. No, this is a performance-driven movie. And if you're, and if you love those, then like Ordinary People is, is, is the good stuff. It, it's one of, it's one of the best more underrated movies of the 1980s that nobody really talks about yeah it's an interesting one because it was a big scandal for a lot of people at least when it won for best picture uh it was an interesting couple of years there in the in night in the year before kramer versus kramer had beat apocalypse now and uh and then here you had uh you had ordinary people beating raging bull and so it was it was it kind of two two years when sort of melodramas smaller melodramas beat out the big you know the bigger films and uh, uh two two really quick things number one people angry at the academy you don't say <laughs> and, and and number two 
If I had a choice between Raging Bull and Ordinary People, while I enjoy both movies greatly, it's Ordinary People every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Yeah. I've never seen Raging Bull, actually, but uh, I have seen Ordinary I People. I watched it for the uh, AFI project, and I get why people love it, but I just thought it was repetitive. Like, oh, Robert De Niro is saying a sexist thing. <laughs> cool. Uh, great. It's not like yeah. the other five times he's done that. <laughs> in the past 15 minutes <laughs> yeah yeah it was a pretty strong year though 1980 they had uh, uh they had ordinary people the elephant man raging bull. elephant man is a good one raging mm -hmm. bull is a good one coal miner's daughter which i like love coal miner's daughter yeah i mean I, i'm sorry to be stepping all over you no, but coal miner's daughter is excellent like yes like sissy spacek to go from carrie to freaking this demure southern right. girl who is <laughs> who is really, really good at singing. And Tommy Lee Jones is like this abusive, abusive guy for half the movie is like, who are these people? Like, what are these <laughs> actors doing? Uh, and then a version of uh, Tessa's Duberville is called Tess I, that I've never heard of. Um, was also nominated that year. So pretty- yeah, I never heard of that one either. Yeah, pretty strong year. And so Ordinary People took it that year. And a lot of people thought the Raging Bull should have won, but whatever. Um, but I have seen Ordinary People, and I think it is a it is a tough it's a tough sit. It and is. It really is. But it's, it's hard to it. watch. But it's p powerful. Yeah, especially the ending. I won't give it away for anyone who hasn't seen it. But the last scene between Timothy Hutton and uh, and Judd Hirsch is just yeah. got me right in the feels. And Donald Sutherland's final scene. Where, where the two and where he and Hutton just sit there and talk it out. It's like, wow. So this is what an Oscar movie is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, and a pretty strong debut for Robert Redford, his first movie. Really, yes. Yeah, to direct. Uh, so good pick. Yeah, very good pick. All right, my fourth movie. Talk about a swing to another spectrum. But my oh, fourth. <laughs> fourth movie is uh is a animated comedy it's teen titans go to the movies and <laughs> i've never I, well maybe i've seen an episode here an episode there i i know a lot of people really hate the teen titans go show because they love Me the included teen titans uh but uh, i i've never seen either show so i was i was disinvested from that whole debate i didn't care i just went in and watched the movie and I laughed a lot. I thought it was really funny. And I, they're definitely trying to do sort of the whole like Deadpool kind of riffing off of uh, and making fun of superhero movie tropes and different things like that. And, and I actually, I, I've, I haven't seen that many of those kinds of movies because they're usually just not my taste. Uh, I, I saw the Once Upon a Deadpool and I hated it. I thought it was yeah, awful. Like, I, I like the first, I love the first Deadpool. The second one had its moments, but like Once Upon a Deadpool, I don't care if it was done for, for a charity. It was like, you don't do a PG-13 Deadpool. You just don't. Yeah, it was, I mean, I don't know how emblematic that is of the Deadpool movies, but I just found it so obnoxious. I did not like it at all. And so I don't know what I would think of Deadpool, but I'm, I'm told that this is somewhat similar to what 
what they do. And I, I just thought this was really funny and it really made me laugh. And uh, particularly all of the jokes about Batman v Superman that they sneak in there about, uh, I don't know, about Martha and about just some of the other things that they make fun of and, and made me laugh. And, and the animation is serviceable. <laughs> it's perfectly fine. And they got a pretty strong voice cast and uh, so you're somebody who hates the show so did you hate the movie i never saw it out of principle oh, okay. because i watched the original teen Titans show that ran from 2005 to 2007 i watched every episode on the night it premiered like mm -hmm. it that movie was or not that movie that show was just so wonderful and it was like this was around the time when i was really starting to get into animation uh uh uh, I had just finished watching the Justice League show, Justice League Unlimited, and Teen Titans was like kind of the spiritual sequel to it. It had a lot of the same animation style and a lot of the same story beats. But um, I will go on record, because I don't want to come off as hypocritical, I will go on record as saying that Teen Titans, the 0507 show, could be really silly at times. It had over-the-top visuals and anime-style you know, like like faces and gestures and language. I totally understand that. But when it got serious, it was really serious. And it took mm -hmm. the plot line seriously. And the characters grew. And Raven, Raven, her father, was the devil himself. And she had to deal with that. And Robin had a crisis of confidence. And so when the movie, or the movie, the series got heavy... It took itself seriously. Yeah. Teen Titans Go to the Movies is basically everything I hate about meme culture today prepackaged and given to children. And I just, on principle, I just don't like it. And so when I heard that they made a movie out of this and Teen Titans from 2005 only got a TV movie, a good TV movie, but a TV movie, I just thought that there was no God on that day. So I never saw it. However, yeah. I have heard everybody say that it's actually pretty good. So I think so I think as an animation fan, I think I may have to soften my stance slightly in order to acquiesce to watch Teen Titans go to the movies. Like here's the level of humor. There's a scene where where Batman and Superman are fighting and there's like your mother's name's Martha my mother's name's Martha and then they stop and then he's like well what's your father's name <laughs> and he's like Jonathan okay mine's Thomas and then they can go fighting like it's so like okay that, that, made me that, laugh. that was that's act funny that actually to me. was pretty funny I'll, yeah. I'll give him that that was actually pretty good <laughs> that's the kind of jokes uh that are throughout the whole thing like just really riffing off of superhero pop culture and and uh, they have a really funny stan lee cameo in it they have just stuff like that that's that's quite humorous and poke okay fun at DC, i i okay poke fun at with marvel with that in mind, I think I will. I think I will relent, and I will give Teen Titans Go to the movies a shot. Well, you'll have to. You'll have to let uh, me know what you think. Uh, I'm doing it for you, Rachel. All right. Not for Teen Titans Go, but for you. <laughs> what? What's your number four? So my number four, speaking on animation, 
uh, I'm going to be talking about another TV series from 2005 called Ben 10. Now, there is another series on HBO Max called Ben 10. I'm talking about the one from 2005, not the 2018 one. If you're searching it on HBO Max, please be sure to look out for the yellow poster, not the blue one. Like, the yellow poster is just Ben on the front with the aliens, like, in the background off subtly. You're not looking for the blue one with Ben going to the left and the aliens running immediately behind him. Yellow, not blue. Anyway, in 2005, <laughs> that was a weird side road. In 2005, <laughs> Ben 10 was released, and it was, it came out at the right time because, uh, I was I was struggling with a lot of my confidence skills and so it, so Ben Ben 10 was a was a show about you know just believing in yourself and and just really really being trying to be extraordinary it's about a young boy who finds a watch that has 10 aliens built into it and when their DNA link you can use the watch to transform into one of 10 aliens and and the series was surprisingly great. And it, it actually was one of the first long running series that I can remember, you know, like it felt episodic, but it was all building up to something kind of like the MCU would eventually do it. But instead of Thanos, it was the villain known as Vilgax. And he basically looks like, he basically looks like Cthulhu if he learned how to walk. And uh, and but and at the end of every season, Vilgax would try and take uh, the watch that Ben has because it is the ultimate weapon in the universe. And Ben's like, no, 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 this is my timepiece. I'm keeping it. And so every season would be just this big battle, and it was really epic. Uh, uh, ben would be voiced by Yuri Lowenthal, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, ben would have a cousin named Gwen, and uh, would often have other other villains to fight like uh, like Kevin Levin whose last name whose middle name is E so Kevin E Levin do you get it I'll allow you to get it get it get it get it get it <laughs> yeah there it is I got and, it <laughs> uh, and and they uh they have uh, he has and he has his grandpa grandpa Max love grandpa Max who is uh who is secretly a uh Who's who spent his entire life fighting off aliens throughout the galaxy, and it's just it's just such an inventive show. It's just it's so good, and it's spun off into several other series like Ben Ten Alien Force and Ben Ten uh, Ultimate Alien that I'll hopefully talk about uh, in another episode. But anyway, Ben Ten, it's a great show. <laughs> I have never heard of that show, so you are introducing it to me for the first time. So cool, very good. Uh, there's not that many animated things I've never heard of, but you found one, so that's great. Yeah, it, it's more action oriented, so uh, so that may be uh, that may be uh, the, it, it's more action oriented, uh -huh. like in the sim in a similar vein, like Avatar: The Last Airbender or Teen Titans or a lot of the other like shows that that were shown on the late stages of the Toonami block on Cartoon Network. Huh. Uh, it was all about, you know, it was, it was, it was an action show, but, uh, cool. but it's a good action show. Good. All right. Well, mine, my final choice is definitely not action, <laughs> uh, but it's definitely, it's worth your time. 
Uh, it is the film Giant from 1956. This is James a, Dean. Yes, James Dean. One of the only, one of the few James Dean roles. This is a very long movie, but if you kind of treat it as more of a binge watch uh, than a because uh, it just it feels very episodic within the film. I think that that this would make a great uh, HBO miniseries if they wanted to update it and do a remake. I think you could really make a good uh, television show out of this. This uh, I think it's based on a book, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's about this family in Texas, uh, in uh, I think it's the 30s. I think I forget the time period. Um, and basically, <laughs> uh, Rock Hudson's character, his name is Bick. And he uh, he comes with uh, he comes back home to his family in Texas and with his new a uh, new wife new uh, fiance uh, played by Elizabeth Taylor and uh, and so when they get back to the ranch his uh, his brother played by James Dean named Jet is super jealous and there's all this family drama and it's it's a perfect movie to watch in the summer because the movie is really hot all the time <laughs> like everything looks like it's smoldering over and you just it, it gives you a really good sense of place and time and the the acting is very good uh it is a long movie and it's pretty slow at times, but in like deliberately so to really get you in the, in the sense of who these people are and who these characters are. And it's very melodramatic and I really enjoyed it. I, I, I thought it was, it was really good. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, there we go. Giant. If I remember correctly, I think uh, I think James Dean shot this movie and then he tragically passed away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure which order when when that all happened, but yes, he did die really young. And um, it's a uh, I watched it uh, is I'm not sure if it was Turner Classic, but on one of those classic movie uh, movie series at the at the theater, and it was a long sit for for one movie it's you know, almost three and a half hours long but it's really good i really admired it and uh i i just felt like it had such a sense of place of this in this family and and uh it, and the acting is so good yeah i've uh this is one of those movies that i've always heard about but I never, I never got around to it. But since I've been doing the AFI project, I've been really in a, like an older movie phase. So I'll definitely have to find this one. Yeah, and this was nominated for Best Picture. It had 15 nominations, and it, I, a one I think for Best Director. Uh, so anyway uh what's your final pick so my final pick is a documentary from uh from hbo sports it is called McEnroe and borg fire and ice uh this is 
This is about the legendary rivalry in the sport of tennis that happened from the late 70s to the early 80s between Swedish player Bjorn Borg and American player John McEnroe. Um, something you all should know about me is that I like playing tennis, but watching tennis is one of the most boring things that you could possibly do. I would rather watch the grass grow. But I find tennis rivalries to be surprisingly fascinating, whether it's between McEnroe and Borg or, or Nadal and Federer. Like, mm -hmm. I, love, I love watching tennis, but, or, or I love playing tennis, but watching tennis, not so much. However, the people over at HBO Documentaries made the rivalry between Borg and McEnroe out to be one of the biggest ever, because Borg and McEnroe could not be any more different if you tried. Uh, Bjorn Borg was a super stoic player. Like, he was, he was super, you know, he, he was literally cool as ice. You know, once he got out there, he was just, he had a job to do and he was going to do it. And he won like five Wimbledons, if I remember correctly, which is a pretty big deal. Uh, John McEnroe, on the other hand, was the complete opposite of that. He was a loud and brash American and he was going to let you know of it. Like, no, there was... <laughs> There was not a penalty uh, judge that didn't feel his wrath. And it's honestly pretty hysterical to be like, are you kidding me? It is like, it is like the refined sport of tennis. And then here comes this frizzy haired McEnroe just like yelling up the place. But what makes this documentary so fascinating is that together they, uh, separately, they did great. Together, though, they created magic, and it all focuses on the 1980 Wimbledon finals, where it went into a five-set overtime, where Borg, where it was looking like, okay, Borg's got this in the bag, but then McEnroe just kept coming back and coming back and coming back. Borg would eventually win, but McEnroe was like, yeah, I had, I almost had you. So it was like Borg got the moral, vic like the actual victory. But McEnroe got the more like the moral victory at the same time. Uh, I'm a big fan of HBO sports documentaries. I love the Do You Believe in Miracles uh, about the 1980 U.S. hockey team one. I believe I've mentioned that on one of on a past episode. Uh, there's this one I like called Back Nine at Cherry Hills about the finals of the 1960 U.S. Open golf tournament. And there's another one featuring uh, the rivalry between Magic Johnson and 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 the Boston Celtics player, uh, his name is Bird. Uh, Rachel, Larry can you Bird. help me out here? Larry, Larry Bird. Bird. Thank you. I was went on such a tangent. I had a brain fart, but that <laughs> I'll definitely be talking about later. But McEnroe and Borg Fire and Ice is one of those documentaries that really does not get talked about, and I think it should be because it's really well made. Mm -hmm. I've never met me a 30 for 30 that I didn't love. So I'm sure that I would love this. I, I love the getting into the minds of these players. Uh, the, the just it's even if you don't like sports, you'll like these movies because they're about people more than they are about sports. And this one sounds like another good one. Uh, I'll definitely have to check it out. Yeah, you will absolutely love Leif Schreiber's uh, narration. Like, he narrates mm -hmm. all of these sports documentaries, and he does an A-plus job every single time. He makes yeah. the documentary better just mm -hmm. by his voice alone. Yeah, 
Cool. Great. Yeah. So we did it. Uh, let's go over our uh, list real quick. Uh, so I had Babe, uh, Mommy Dead and Dearest, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, Teen Titans Go to the Movies, and Giant. So nobody can say that I didn't offer you a variety of films today in the show. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and my list is The Judge, Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, Ordinary People, Ben 10, and Mac and Rowan Bork. And it's Ben 10, the 2005 version. Don't, right. uh, don't get it twisted. Okay, good. Very, 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 very good. So let us know if you have seen any of these, what you think. And Ryan, how can people find you? You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, uh, and Letterboxd at RyanCam20. On my YouTube channel, Ryan Cam Movie Reviews, I'm still continuing the AFI project. Uh, Rachel and I re are recording this on a Monday, which means that my episode on Sunset Boulevard has dropped. Uh, it's, uh, uh, and uh, on Wednesday, uh, on Wednesday, I will be dropping my episode for Mike Nichols' comedy, The Graduate. And then either on Friday or Saturday, we'll be dropping my episode on the Buster Keaton classic, The General. I've also got ones coming up for On the Waterfront, It's a Wonderful Life, Chinatown, like, like The Grapes of Wrath, Some Like It Hot, like just, it's nothing but quality over on my channel. And I've also got a big Nolan series coming up in honor of Tenet coming out in theaters, thank God. So it's, my channel is going to be a bustling place. So if you haven't subscribed, like, you've picked a great time. So, so do yourself a favor and go ahead and subscribe. That is great. I definitely highly recommend it. Uh, and you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all of our social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. So please check that out. And then also I'm at the Hallmarkies podcast. So thanks again, Ryan. This is always so much fun. And uh, we'll look forward to your comments uh, in the comment section or on Twitter. Please let us know your thoughts and we'll talk again next week. Bye everyone. Bye.